What's going on, rock stars? In this episode of Fearless Rebel Radio, I interview one rock star of a woman, blogger, author, mother, wife, athlete, and strong woman competitor, Stacey Toth, on body image, self-love, and how she empowers her kids to have a good relationship with food and themselves. We talk about how Stacey went from being so unhealthy that she had difficulty walking upstairs to being an athlete and competitive strong woman. We talk about whether our society is becoming more accepting of a strong woman image, why making time for yourself is important to giving 100% back to those you love, why Stacey still had her scale and how she felt about finally getting rid of it, how Stacey's vulnerability has played a critical role in her path to self-love, and the most important thing you can do to empower your kids to have a good relationship with food and themselves, plus everything about Stacey and Matt, her husband's upcoming book, Real Life Paleo. Before we get started, I just want to remind you to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod. You'll get 10 missions that you can complete right now to ditch the diet mentality and love your body. And it's free. All right, let's get started. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants, and interviews with Fearless Rebel guests. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? I am super excited about today's guest, and I am absolutely honored to have her on my podcast. Today's guest is the inspirational Stacey Toth. Stacey Toth blogs with her husband, Matthew McCary, at the popular website paleoparents.com. They co-host and produce the top-reviewed podcast, The Paleo View, as well as authored best-selling cookbooks, Eat Like a Dinosaur, a recipe and guidebook for gluten-free kids, Beyond Bacon, Paleo Recipes that Respect the Whole Hog, which is amazing, and the upcoming Real Life Paleo, Recipes, Meals, and Practical Tips that Follow an Easy Three-Phased Approach to Health, as well as Three-Phase Paleo, Transition Your Family in Three Easy Steps. They and their award-winning recipes have been featured in several national publications, television, radio shows, podcasts, and many sites online. In addition to writing on topics related to paleo parenting, Stacy and Matt are well known for their candor and openness in addressing topics related to having changed their whole family's health with a paleo lifestyle. This includes living without a gallbladder, depression, the autoimmune protocol, still being the fattest people in paleo after losing 200 pounds, becoming a strong athlete after a lifetime of obesity, and everything in between. Stacy is also a competitive strong woman. Mostly though, Matt and Stacy try to keep it together with duct tape and lots of love. After over a decade of marriage, three kids, three cats, a vlog, multiple books, a podcast, training for strongman, and Stacy's full-time job, sometimes it has to just be about spending quality time together. It just so happens that that's often in the kitchen. So I have been a longtime stalker of Stacy, and <laughs> I have the utmost respect and admiration for her candidness on her blog and, and how she shares you know, her, her thoughts and her journey. I think she's really at the forefront of promoting self-love and body acceptance. And I had the opportunity to meet Stacy in person when I was at Paleo Effects a few months ago because we were doing a back squat and deadlift workshop together, which was amazing. And I recently got the opportunity to do a guest blog post on the Paleo Parents website. So welcome to the show, Stacy. Thank you. I I feel like there's nothing more I can possibly add to live up to what you've just told everyone about me. So maybe we should wrap it. (laughs) We'll just call it there. There Just the bio show. No. So as always, I, you know, I'd love our listeners to know more about your story and, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So you gave a lot of the bio that I think kind of wraps Um, a lot of the stuff together but essentially four and a half years ago I was pregnant with my third child and um, I was so unhealthy that we decided that um, I needed to um, 
have a, a um, tubal ligation in order to make sure that I never got pregnant again because we weren't sure that my body could handle another pregnancy. It was it was very bad. Um, I had difficulty walking up the stairs by myself. I didn't have the energy to even sit at the dinner table with the family at that point. Um, I needed to come home at the end of the day and just like plop down on the sofa. And that's where I ate food. I, I had literally no energy and I was completely unhealthy. And it's kind of difficult for me to even remember how bad off I was because I've just made such leaps and bounds in the last four years. But um, so after the birth of our third child, which um, was wonderful. I have three wonderful, young, healthy children. They're all boys. Um, I decided that I wanted to do something about my health. And um, I was, I knew that I needed to go dairy free because I have a lactose intolerance and it passes to children when I'm breastfeeding and I was breastfeeding my newborn. And I was uh, just came across the word paleo while looking for dairy-free ice cream recipes, did a little searching. At the time, Lauren Cordain's book was the only paleo book that was out, which is hard to imagine yeah. today being so saturated in the market. But um, I checked his book out from the library that same day, which was like my second day home, um, and uh, read it from cover to cover in like two or three days and was literally in the pantry throwing ingredients out. I was reading parts of it to Matt that just resonated with me so deeply and um, kind of came to the realization that I had, you know, metabolically broken my body and that, you know, re-looking at food could help that. And so for me, the journey didn't even originally start out as a weight loss journey. Like I always naturally lost weight after the birth of my children because my metabolism would speed up with nursing, which was the only time in my life my metabolism ever functioned. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't really concerned about weight loss so much as I was really interested in some of the health benefits that the, the paleo diet um, said it could help me with. And um, all of the things that it said it could help me with, it helped and more. So, you know, I went from having sleep apnea and heartburn and joint pain and seasonal allergies and depression and all, all of the things that are supposedly normal for, for people um, as they get older completely disappearing within like a two week to one month window of going paleo. Having nothing to do with the 100 pound weight loss I ended up having, but literally just almost immediately my body feeling so relieved from all the inflammation um, that it had from the way that I had been living my lifestyle. And um, with that energy boost and with weight loss came the desire to kind of move my body in a way that I hadn't in a really long time. And so Matt and I got really interested in doing things and being active more so than we had been. But we never really got into um, any sort of exercise routine. And so um, I think it was, we'd been, yeah, it was three years into our paleo journey that um, I decided to get a little more stringent with being active. And I did this thing called handstand month where every day for a month, the whole family went into um, our extra room and we practiced handstands. And then, you know, I did this month of running and sprinting to see how fast I could get my mile. And then, um, then I did yoga and I was doing a lot of inversion and, and handstands and stuff. And I kept injuring myself because <laughs> I wasn't doing it in any sort of formalized way or with supervision or, or anything. I actually ended up uh, passing out in the shower one day from doing a contrast shower after sprints. Um, it was a bad scene. Ooh. And then um, shortly around the same time, I also fractured my collarbone from um, not being careful in an inversion. And I like hit a bookshelf on my way up, which knocked me over and, um, ended up hairline fracturing my collarbone. So, oh um, I decided that I needed supervision <laughs> when exercising <laughs> and, um, I, I, I knew someone who had started a, a strength and conditioning gym in the area. There's no way in the world I would have ever walked into a strength and conditioning gym if I didn't know the person who owned it and she didn't happen to be a woman. Those things really made me feel comfortable. Like I could walk into a strength and conditioning gym mm -hmm. and, um, I walked in and literally just loved it. I mean, I remember writing a post about loving CrossFit within the first week of doing it and trying to convince people that they should try it too. And that, you know, even as an out of shape, overweight woman, there were so many things that I loved about it. And, 
you know, here are the things to prepare yourself for and here are the things that are wonderful and, you know, just find a good box and do it. And um, over time, what I learned is that the the things that I loved about CrossFit were the things that um, made me feel strong and powerful. And I really, really both enjoyed and excelled at lifting heavy things. And so the strength and conditioning gym wasn't just a CrossFit box. They also have an Olympic um, weightlifting coaching area I don't know what they call it um team it's not like a team but you know there there's there's only lifters there's crossfitters and then there's strongmen okay and um I one of the strongmen coaches also coached crossfit and he was like you should really try strongman I was like oh no you guys are always bruised up and scratched up and tackied up and it's gross that's I don't want to do that and um He's like, but you get to deadlift every week. <laughs> so um, I tried it and I just, I, again, I fell in love with it. And it, um, in the last um, six to nine months has become just a part of me. I feel like everyone who's at the the strongman team at my gym um, is like family. I, I really just feel very at home in a way that um, is wonderful. I haven't, I haven't felt this way in a long time. And I think part of that is, um, realizing that it's something that I'm doing for myself that I don't feel guilty about that um, benefits my entire family because I'm getting healthier and because I feel better and because it gives me happy endorphins and hormones and um, it also you know gives me emotional strength in a way that I'm building physical strength and um, there's nothing that I enjoy more than feeling strong and being able to walk out and and knowing that my body did something powerful and I think you know kind of what you alluded to earlier that I've talked about a lot is that um, I think for me personally that has a lot to do with the fact that I had a broken body for so long that was nothing but a burden to me that I was very um I've always been a smart person. I've tried to be a nice person. I've tried to like yeah. have good qualities, but I just felt like physically my body was a hindrance to me, that it was always something I was working around. And for the first time in my life, I'm feeling like my body is a tool that I can use to be better at who I am as a person. And um, instead of feeling overwhelmed and frustrated and humiliated or you know, whatever about my body as I have for so long, it's been a burden. Now it's this tool that enables me to be physically strong as well as emotionally strong. And so it has been definitely an emotional journey for me as I've, you know, kind of joined CrossFit and then um, Strongman and now I'm a competitive Strongman athlete. And (laughs) those words are still funny to me, (laughs) the idea of being an athlete. But, um, you know, I I competed in March and I won my my division. It was the heavyweight novice division, and um, I'm competing again later this month in the open division. And um, I potentially could have a ticket to nationals just within my first year of even doing it, which you know is is really awesome and wonderful. But I have I have goals of perhaps you know being on the podium in nationals in a couple of years and really sticking to this and and it's something that you know I'm that passionate about so um it's a a really long answer to your short question (laughs) but hopefully that kind of ties things together for people because it's I feel like oftentimes if people come to my blog they're going to be like what is this hodgepodge (laughs) sometimes it's parenting sometimes it's recipes sometimes this chick is lifting heavy things like what's going on um and it's because it's a it's a personal blog I also podcast on um our podcast is called the paleo view and um all all those things are, are really just kind of me and I just throw them in there and it's um it really is a genuine reflection on what's going on in my life at the time so that's that's why the hodgepodge yeah, no, you, you wear so many different hats. And uh, first, I just have to say that you you are seriously, seriously a, a badass. Like, you know, when I see the pictures of you post of your strong woman feats of strength, I am blown away. And I can just say that if the zombie apocalypse comes, I'm <laughs> definitely coming to your house. <laughs> That's you know what um stuff from the paleo athlete or stupid easy paleo yeah. her her says her like saying is something like oh god i'm going to get it wrong it's like 
happy, healthy, and harder to kill. Harder to kill. Thank I just, you. Yes. I just, uh, I just inter- I just posted. I just did an interview with her um, a couple weeks ago. But it's actually the podcast just went live today. Episode four for anyone that's interested in it. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we were talking about. Isn't she awesome? <laughs> yes, yes, she is. Yeah. And it's interesting, like just to to pull a bit of a, a similarity and parallel there. Um, you, you know, you, she, she mentioned like, like her really getting into Olympic weightlifting because she finally found something that like her body was really suited for. Like it was the best way to use her body. And I feel like it's kind of a similar thing with you and strong woman. Like you found something that you were just so well suited to and allows you to really like use your strengths in the best way possible. Um, being, you know, being a strong woman like that, do you think, do you think society, you know, do you think society is become, becoming more accepting of women being strong, like being involved in like strong women? I mean, I don't think you would have ever seen that like 20 years ago. You know, it's interesting because when you're in the bubble, it's hard to kind of have a genuine perception on what's happening kind of outside your bubble. Um, I think certainly within my community, um, there's definitely an acceptance of it. I was just listening to a podcast on the American Strongman Radio, um, and they did an entire episode dedicated to women's pelvic floor and um, urination during, um, or incontinence, or whatever you want to call it, during heavy lifts. And I thought, like how very bold and and forward thinking and mainstream that is that like the community itself is openly talking on American strong man radio about Mm -hmm. um, vaginas. Like they literally said the (laughs) word vagina and I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, So I think in that, in that sense it is, it's also the sport itself has been really encouraging of women in general. Like for example, when you go to a competition, the top one, or top two men make it depending on the um, degree of difficulty in the contest to nationals, but the top three women make it mm-hmm. because there's so few women that they really want to encourage everyone to go who possibly can, who's who's skilled and, and represent and encourage other women to start the sport. So, and interestingly, the American strong man uh, corporation is run by a woman. So I think in that sense within the community, definitely more encouraging. But um, it's been interesting from the perspective of um, people I know in like the regular world, um, kind of accepting what I do, or even understanding what I do, I find very difficult. I remember um, after my first competition, you know, someone at work saying, well, how much did you lift with that like skeptical look in their eyes? And I said, you mean like the whole day, like the whole, the total weight? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, it was 35,000 pounds. <laughs> and um, like the look on their face and they realized like it was actual weight and not like a four pound dumbbell was really interesting. So from that perspective, I think we've got a long way to go, but if, you know, like, of course you're going to find whatever. Um, but I do think in general that they're is a um, an acceptance and encouragement for women to do strength training in general. Maybe not strong women in the sport, um, mm. but I think you know doctors have come out and acknowledged that um, women's health is is drastically improved with strength training in general. That um, you know we have osteoporosis less in later life, and you know we have regulation of hormones and better metabolism and all that kind of stuff if we do some strength training. So. I think from from that aspect, it has helped women realize that, you know, they don't have to be taking Zumba class and four hours on a treadmill that they there are some other things that they can do to be healthy. Yeah, and I, I just I think you're such an inspiration there because you you know, you do have such a huge following, um, whether it's through your blog or your various social media, which again, like I highly recommend following you, following you, especially <laughs> on Instagram, just love the pictures. But and, and so I think that that's really I think that, you know, you're kind of a leader in that area, like bringing attention to, you know, this sport where uh, a lot of women maybe never thought that they there was a place for them. And I think that that's, that's really, really cool. And it's, it's exciting to see. 
Um, so going back to kind of something you said about about strong woman, and that was how it was something that you did for yourself um, that that and that that helped you, you know, emotionally and and physically. And, um, you know, one of the things that I read on one of your blog posts, which I just like it, it made me want to scream, amen, sister. But, <laughs> you know, you said, you said, before I could be good to anyone else, I needed to be good to myself. In order to not judge or perceive people based on their food consumption or weight, I needed to stop doing that to myself. No more self-hate and guilt. And, you know, this is something that I really preach to people. Um, but in your case, you know, you're balancing a full-time job, you know, a family with three kids, you're an author, you're a blogger, you're doing Strong Woman. Um, you know, what's your advice to other busy moms to finding time to be good to yourself? Like how, you know, what can you tell other people and, and, and how can you instill the importance of that in others? Well, I think the advantage that I have that not everyone has is that I have an amazing partner. And I say partner because Matt, my husband and I are, are literally a team and we communicate together as much as possible about what each of us needs and you know for me that's strongman which is more frequent than his needs which are comic book club once a month and occasionally leaving the house just to get away (laughs) um he's a stay-at-home dad and he spends a lot of time with three very rowdy boys and so you know a lot of credit goes to him because uh, the days that I train, I come home right before the boys go to bed. You know, he's he's basically responsible for them. Um, I, I help in the morning to get them ready to go to school. But then once they're at school, like, I don't see them again until bedtime. And that's, that's not something that every woman can do. And I, I realize that. But at the same time, um, what I really would encourage women to do is find a support system, whether that's a partner, a spouse, or... Um, another friend where you can carpool and trade off or, you know, finding a neighborhood um, mom's helper or something to watch the kids while you do a yoga video in the basement. You know, there are a lot of things that people can can work around what those requirements are. And I'm really fortunate that I have a partner who supports me and he more than me at this point encourages me to go to strong women. Like he has a uh, passion for my success almost more than I have personally, which is awesome and amazing. And it's great to have that encouragement and support because if there is a day where I'm like, Oh, I'm just so tired. I don't want to go. And he was like, yeah, don't go, come home, stay and snuggle. It wouldn't be um, good for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, he's really super awesome, supportive. I think, you know, some some other things are like I talked about before, as and, and you quoted as really just letting go of that guilt. You know, there are things that I do outside of Strong Woman that I also do for myself that I do without guilt that used to, you know, consume me about how badly I felt that I was doing them. For example, I get manicures and pedicures every two weeks, and nice. it's like two hours every two weeks, and um that's not the end of the world and we can make that happen. But um, I used to go and I used to just sit there the whole time and like text Matt, are you okay? Are you sure? Everything's fine. You don't need me, you know, and it was ridiculous. I didn't get to enjoy the time and he was fine. He didn't need me badgering him. Um, And so now I I have a routine where after I train on Saturdays, I go and I get my mani-pedi and I get my almond milk latte that's right next door and I sit there and I I relax and I let my mind, you know, recuperate. Or if I'm really super busy, I answer a bunch of emails while I'm getting a pedicure and I can feel productive. You know, it depends on kind of what my needs are at the time. But, you know, I do things that I need to do and then when I'm present, I'm really present. I have a time, I have a post on time management on my blog because I get asked so many times, how how do I do it all? And the answer is, I don't do it all. I have a husband and I have a team of people that help me with the blog. Um, But the you know, the most important thing for me is that when I'm here, I'm 100% here. I'm not on my phone at the dinner table. You know, I'm not ignoring the children, you know, doing whatever while they're awake. If, If I'm here, especially if the children are awake, I'm engaged and I'm providing myself to them. And um, then I don't have the guilt that when I'm gone, 
that they miss me or whatever because I tell them, okay, I'm going to be late tonight. It's a workout night. And they say, okay, mommy, we'll see you tomorrow morning. And they give me a kiss and they're happy and they're fine about it. And they're happy and proud to see my progress just as much as I am. And um, they love telling people how strong their mommy is. And they love coming to the gym with me on the weekends when it's not their bedtime. And, you know, we just, we we work it into our daily lives to where it's not, um something that anyone needs to be concerned or guilty about. And that takes time to figure that out. And, it, it, you know, it's difficult. And certainly when I'm training for a contest like I am this month, I'm out of the house more often. But that's something that we as a family talk about before I do it. And I say, you know, I'm thinking about doing this contest. That means that, you know, for this month, I'm going to be around less. Are you okay with that? You know, can we, you know, plan stuff on the weekend that makes up for the time that you'll miss me during the week? And um, if they're on board and then, you know, it's kind of all thumbs up and go. And if they have concerns, then we address them. My my oldest son is almost nine. So my middle son's six and very uh, precocious. So I know that if they have concerns, they'll communicate them to me and, and we'll figure them out. Yeah, that's amazing. So, you know, like, in, in other words, I think we can kind of sum it up to, you know, ask, I think ask for help is an important piece of this equa- equation. Like, you know, whether it's, you know, asking your husband, your partner, or just somebody else to kind of build that support system so that you can have some of that time to do those things. Um, You know, setting boundaries, communicating amongst your whole family, because when you do this, you know, I think from what I'm hearing is that you then have so much more to give back. And I think that that's like a really important thing for, for women to grasp, because I feel like there's just there's so much guilt around putting yourself first. And I see this especially uh, in my clients who have who have families who have children. And um, I just love that, you know, that that you've that you've, you know, that you've recognized that and that you do make the time to do those things for yourself, because then you know that you're being a better parent at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. So I I do want to ask you about something because I when I wrote <laughs> when I wrote the guest post for you you told me that you finally got rid of your scale and you know this is something that women always seem to think is a good idea like every time I'm like I smashed a scale they're like yeah that's so amazing but I'm not ready to do it yet. <laughs> you know, like it's like, but I'm still hiding mine in the bathroom. Uh, so I just, you know, like what was your experience with that? Why were you still hanging on to it? And what, you know, what did finally getting r- rid of it do to you? Did, did that have any profound impact? Like I'm hoping it did. <laughs> I realized today in the car as I was thinking about us having a podcast that I hadn't weighed myself since then. And I got like a little lump in my throat, like, oh my gosh, I wonder how much I weigh. I should ask Matt where the scale is just so I can weigh myself. And then I kind of like thumped my head and I was like, (laughs) what are you doing? What are you talking about? Um, I think in some respect, it's difficult because it makes me question my choices more. But that's also a really good thing. You know, what what I told myself, um, and and everybody has to make their own choices for themselves, um, but for me, there's a lot of social media sur- surfacing the internet that says Stacy Toth has, you know, lost and maintained a 100 pound plus weight loss for four years. Yeah, and um, there's uh, difficulty in managing um, that emotion of, well, you know, what if I don't lose and maintain that 100 pounds like what if I get fat again because there have been plenty of times in my life where I've lost weight and then I've gained it again and I think we've all been through that that yo-yo cycle and Mm -hmm. so for me I was definitely hanging on to the scale so that every day I could see okay I'm still within that five pound like um range where I know that I'm sustaining my my weight and um then it got it just got really unhealthy for me when I was weight training because I was gaining weight but losing inches and like I knew that in my head that that was a good thing that that meant that I was putting on muscle and losing fat um but it didn't matter that I knew that it was a good thing because when I got on the scale and I saw the number I would cry and I would tell Matt not to give me as big of a lunch like he was like you're being ridiculous this is a salad and you're going to work out tonight like it's gonna be a big salad yeah and um So it was, um, 
it was definitely not something that I was doing that was healthy. And I, I know that I'm training and I know that I eat right. And I know that, um, I'm measuring myself, not obsessively, like, you know, on occasion, maybe three times a month and making sure that I'm either maintaining or losing inches. And those things are what is important to me right now for what my goals are. And, um, you know, it's difficult because when I used to have an off day or what I would, you know, have a treat is what I call it. I don't like to think of it as a, as a cheat, but, um, you know, if we go on vacation and I eat more gluten-free stuff than I would normally eat, I would usually get on the scale at the end of that weekend, see how much, um, you know, water weight or whatever I had put on and then feel better as I saw it come off over the following week. So the most difficult thing for me, um, has been kind of managing that and, um, figuring out different mechanisms to moderate and feel good about myself other than a number on a scale and and reassuring myself that, you know, I'm doing the right things. I'm drinking water. I'm eating right. I'm sleeping. I'm taking care of myself. I'm training. Um, and that those things in and of themselves will naturally regulate my body and I don't need to see it on a number on the scale. So um, it, has, it, it, it hasn't been easy, Summer. <laughs> it's not but, easy. It's not no. easy for people. But I've done it. Um, so for what that's worth. And I'm so, so proud of you. And I, I think, I don't know if I said this out loud to you or through social media or if I just dreamt that I said it to you. But next time I see you, we're totally going to smash one with a sledgehammer because that's <laughs> when it like really, that's when you really break up with it for good. But it's, it's, it's like, I'm so glad you're being honest about it because it is really hard. Like, it seems, this may seem like such a stupid topic to people who don't get it, but it is people are connected to the scale, like the number of, of clients where I literally have to like pry it out of their arms is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it just, it exists so rampantly. And so I, I love that you're being honest with it. it. It is hard and you, and those urges will still exist because they've been ingrained for so long to associate, you know, success or failure with that number. But it, I just think it's so important to really tune into it in a, in a totally different way and actually just feel like feel your body and just feel what your body needs. Like, does your body need a different source of nourishment? Does it need more or less of this? And and go with those feelings instead of what something on a metal piece of machinery says. So, um, you know, you like, you know, talking about kind of your, your journey with, with your weight and sort of having this identity online as like, you know, Stacy who lost a hundred pounds, um, you know, you've put yourself in a vulnerable position by talking candidly and, and, you know, posting pictures of yourself, like basically, you know, in your underwear, but you know, what role has that vulnerability played in helping you to really embrace who you are? Oh, it's been essential. I think what a lot of people don't realize either because it's not in their personality or because they've just never done it themselves is um, blogging and putting that stuff out there is a release for me. So as much as, you know, I write posts about, in particular, I think you're talking about the one where I show my sagging skin, where I say, mm -hmm. this is what losing 135 pounds looks like. Yeah. Um, that post was as much an, as an encouragement for me as it was for the people that read the blog. I mean, that was my way of saying like, okay, you're going to put this out here. And, you know, I definitely was really scared and nervous because um, not only that um, are kind of strangers on the internet reading it, but also like my dad subscribes to the newsletter <laughs> yeah. to the blog, you know? So it's like, um, it's... It's very much for me, though, about really being honest and really saying, like, it is okay that, you know, this shows your journey and I, you can't change this. This is what your body looks like. And although, you know, it's not what you want, it's because of the progress and the journey that you've made. And I wouldn't in a million years change having three kids. And I wouldn't in a million years want to put on a hundred pounds in order for my skin not to be sagging. You know, um, it hinders me in um, performance. I think that's the most difficult for me is like, there's definitely difficulty in performing in the gym because of like the excess skin and kind of clinging fat that I have to that excess skin that causes. But um, 
you know, for me to put it out there and say like, this is, this is what I am and it's okay. And I love myself and I accept myself. I'm convincing myself as much as I'm convincing other people. And, you know, like a lot of people write letters to someone that they're frustrated with and then they burn it or throw it away or whatever, instead of mailing it to that person. Like it's the same kind of cathartic release for me when I blog and hearing from other women that it's helpful reminds me that, you know, I need to believe it as much as they do. And so um, it's definitely been essential for me and my journey to incorporate that honesty as, as part of blogging and podcasting. And um, it's allowed me to make friendships and connections with really awesome people like you and a bunch of people around the internet that I never would have made if I hadn't been honest. And, you know, there are so many people that I hear from on a regular basis that tell me that, in some way or another, my honesty and my putting myself out there has changed their lives. And so, you know, there's there's nothing more validating for me personally that, you know, I've, I've devoted this part of my life to, you know, um, changing myself, but also helping other women to see that positivity and for them to enable the change in their own life, which I'm sure you can relate to because it's part of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's definitely sometimes I'll go back and I'll read my own posts and say, oh, yeah, you know, like, yes, I need to remind myself of this. Like, I need to not be um, worried about these sort of things. And, you know, our, our fattest people in paleo posts is one of the most um, trafficked blog posts on the blog, definitely because there's some, you know, uh, SEO favoritism in Google searches on the word fat or something. I don't know. But um, yeah. It's definitely something that I go back and I look at every time there's a paleo event, like every time there's a book signing, every time I go do something in public and I, you know, stress in front of my closet while I'm packing about what are the most slimming things that I could possibly wear. Um, I have to remind myself, like, this is not what's important about life. Like what's important is that you're going and you're traveling and you're getting to meet people and you're getting to see your friends and you're going to make memories and who the hell cares like what you're wearing? Um, yeah. And and so yes, it's as much of a reminder and important for for me as as I hope that it is for other people. But it, you know, when I started the blog, there weren't other people that read it, so it was for me in the beginning, and it it has always been and maintained being kind of a personal blog for us and you know we have a team of people that help and we do a lot of guest posts but when Matt and I write posts like we write the posts and um, it's because uh, we write them for ourselves and we like doing that and we like the honesty and I think the reason that people really connect with the podcast and Instagram is because those are the things that my team members don't touch like my Instagram account is a hundred percent my Instagram account is almost they would be really difficult for my assistant who lives in Virginia Beach to take pictures of my food every night yeah, and um, all your strong woman stuff too right, right? And, and all my strong woman <laughs> stuff so um you know it's uh those are just if you're if you're wanting to to know the real me that's the that's the raw stuff right there (laughs) as obnoxious as it is no not obnoxious at all I do I think it's so inspiring and I think it's uh, I just I just love I just love your your candidness and and your honesty and it's and it's really raw and I think that putting yourself out there like that is just you owning yourself and that's such an important piece of the self-acceptance equation and so I, I I know for sure that it absolutely inspires other women and you are certainly one of the people that I encourage my clients to follow as someone to uh to aspire to in terms of just like celebrating celebrating who you are and appreciating it um you know regardless of whether that fits like you know a conventional uh body type or not um so like with that you know talking about kind of you know what's what's beautiful like I you know I always kind of say that um we have our own definition of beauty and that it beauty is not really what we see that it's you know it's the way that we kind of perceive things and so what to you would be you know considered your definition of beauty um beauty Huh. I 
I think genuineness is something that I'm really attracted to. I think that um, people whom I connect with the most um, are the people with whom I can be completely honest and open and I feel like they're doing the same with me. Um, I think that um, beauty is also about um, doing the best you can. I think, um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a place where not a lot of people go, and I've tried to do this delicately on on my blog and my podcast as well. But um, one of the things that um, I have had difficulty with in my own life is that um, the women who feel very empowered by, for example, I have a post on fat acceptance on my blog, which encourages people to examine whether or not they're judging others by um, uh, their appearance and where I state that um, overweight is one of the very few physical qualities that isn't uh, protected in the United States. So, you know, you can you can't age discriminate in an interview, but there's nothing that prevents you from perceiving someone as lazy who is overweight in a job interview. Yep. Um and so, you know, I I really talk a lot about fat acceptance, but the other side to that coin is that, you know, there there is a requirement for self-respect in my opinion. And I think a lot of what I see and hear from women um, who, you know, hear people like you and I talking about self-acceptance is that there's also a self-respect that goes along with that self-acceptance that, you know, where I think it's super important to love and accept yourself, um, I also think it's required to respect yourself. And for me, part of respecting yourself means taking care of yourself and where I don't want people to, you know, eat pizza and then have guilt about eating pizza and then have the snowball effect of negative emotional health. What I also want someone to do is recognize that um, eating the pizza wasn't the best choice and try to make better choices going forward, but not saying, you know, it's okay that I'm overweight and it's okay that I ate this pizza and just leaving it at that. Like that's, that's not where we leave it. We leave it at, you know, how can we make better choices to feel our best? And, um, I would just highly doubt that people would feel their best eating pizza all the time. So I, I just, I think that for me, um, self-respect is something that, um, enables a person's own inner beauty to shine out. You know, that's where I think confidence comes from. Um, that's where I think, you know, for me personally, I think I'm better looking now than I was 10 years ago. And that's mostly because I'm taking better care of myself. I sleep, I exercise, I drink water, I eat healthy foods so that my, you know, my skin is clear. And those kinds of things are what I think exemplify beauty in my opinion and it's because I'm respecting myself and I'm enabling my best self to come forward that you know I'm able to be confident and comfortable in my own skin I love that answer and I I totally agree uh, with regards to the self-respect like I think that people can kind of ex like what, what am I trying to say here? People um, sort of pull together, like they think, oh, you know, body acceptance or fat acceptance just means like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, eat whatever I want and not care about myself. But the reality is it's about accepting the body that you have today and honoring it then to facilitate, you know, making better choices for yourself, because nothing good comes from a place of self hate. And so once you can start to kind of foster acceptance and love for yourself and respect for yourself, you know, those changes that you need to make and from a habitual perspective, whether it's food choices or lifestyle changes become so much easier. Um, and I say, and I think that, you know, that, as you said, enables uh, the beauty and the inner beauty to come out. So as a parent, you know, how do you, like, how do you instill these kind of, these kind of morals in your children? Because, you know, at least for me growing up, it was instilled in us that appearance dictates success and relationships and popularity. And, and, you know, we had to live up to some ideal in order to, to achieve the things that, that we want. And so as a parent, you know, what's your advice to other parents? You know, 
that's a difficult question for me, honestly. Um, my children are not at the point um, in their lives where I think appearance is really mattering. Maybe for my oldest, um, but because they're all boys, like the thing that he's concerned with the most is that he's shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the thing that we try to do is kind of reframe things positively and also encourage him that, you know, his dad was short um, until he was 17 as well. And then he had a big growth spurt and that it's totally normal. And that, you know, even though he looks different than other kids and even though people think he's younger than he is, it's okay to just tell them, no, I'm going into fourth grade and not second grade, <laughs> you know? So yeah, um, I think the thing for, for me as a parent is that I try really hard to um, be positive about myself so that my children pick up on that reflection and um, emulate that behavior and thought process. I, I know that, you know, as a child and most of my friends and their mothers and those sort of things that, you know, we grew up hearing um, the perceptions that are parental figures or, you know, our, our caretakers had of this negativity of like, you know, pinching the underskin of their arms and saying, you know, that the, it was like a turkey's neck. I mean, I learned that from like a teacher in school. I remember it was like my eighth grade science teacher. She was writing in the chalkboard, turned around at the class and like grabbed the underarm of her skin and was like, I know that my underarm skin wiggles like a turkey's neck when I write on the chalkboard, but we don't need to talk about it. And it was like, dude, I wouldn't have talked about it. <laughs> you just yeah. told me your own negative, negative self. And I remember that she was, you know, self-conscious in a room full of, um, eighth graders who can all be extremely judgmental or whatever the case was. But, um, you know, instead of, you know, kind of staring at myself in the mirror um, in a bathing suit and hemming and hawing and saying, you know, I don't want to go to the beach or, you know, oh, isn't buying a swimsuit difficult? You know, I, I do everything I can to never let my children know that I even for a moment have those self-doubts about myself because I it would be catastrophe for me if my children ever looked at themselves in the mirror and said oh I have a belly I don't want to go to the beach like Mm -hmm. I would smack them upside the head and say you're not going to sacrifice fun and living life and joy because you think that you know you don't look right like that's ridiculous and so you know I've got all these things ingrained in me from a lifetime of you know societal pressures and and these opinions that I developed of myself that I wish that I hadn't. Um, and the most that I can do is just, you know, reframe everything positively. And, um, I go to the pool and I stand up straight and I don't wear a cover up and I laugh and I splash with my children and I do everything I can to not, you know, reflect in any way that walking into the pool (laughs) was something that made me, flinch at all you know so um and I think that's the the most important thing for parents is really not just about appearances but in general really emulating the behavior that you want to see in your children and being really aware that they are sponges that absorb everything and you know my mom smoked and so I smoked when I was younger you know it's it's that reflection of um children doing and emulating as they see their parents doing and as much as we parents think that we can you know um convince them otherwise if they see us road raging then even though you tell them when you're training them to drive to not road rage that's what they're going to do and you know they they see the commercials for the texting and driving my children and every single time I touch my phone in the car even if I'm at a stoplight like they start yelling at me that it's not safe and not to do it I'm like that's exactly what I want them to do I want them to like be emulating the positive behavior and encouraging me to not be bad yeah no I think that's I think that's so important and I'm so I'm you know I'm I'm so glad to hear that I think that 
you know, em- emulating the behavior that you want to see out of, out of your kids is so important. And so, you know, like any talk about dieting, any judgments about other people's appearances, like that stuff just needs to go in, you know, it, within a household when there's children and you're influencing and in general, really. But, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry. For, so no, no, for, for another example, like tonight, my older son knows that we have coconut milk, mint chocolate chip ice cream in the freezer. Ooh. And, um, he ate his dinner, which was fish and greens and carrots. And um, he had a really busy long day at summer camp. They're in a cool, a really cool farm camp at like a local farm where they're learning how to be farmers. And so they've been in the sun, totally active all day long. And, you know, he says to me, do you want to share the rest of the mint chocolate chip ice cream with me? And rather than saying like, I'm dieting right now, or you know, framing it in a way, a lot of people would have said, I can't have that right now. Um, my my response to him was, I'm eating really clean right now because I'm training for my contest. But if you want to have ice cream, you go ahead. And he was, I think it's just those little differences. A lot of people maybe don't see the huge impact that they have. But by saying I can't have that, like I believe would have influenced him to think that what he was asking for was like unreasonable or negative or something. Um, and I think his request was completely reasonable. He he ate a really healthy dinner. He had an active, busy day in the hot sun. And he asked for, you know, a paleo treat that was already made in the freezer. Like I didn't, I don't want to make him feel like my choice has to be his choice because we're both doing different things. But I, I also emphasized why I was choosing to do something different. You know, I'm saying I'm, I'm choosing to not eat sweets right now because I'm training um, for a contest. But if that's what you would like, you go ahead. You know, and I, I just think, that little subtle difference is important. At least with my children, that's what I find. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important to empower your kids to make their own decisions around food to some extent as well. And oh, I think definitely. also, you know, like, you know, use you, you not using the words I can't because I can't would imply that maybe you're a bad person if you do that. And that's where, you know, that shame and guilt that comes along with food choices that, you know, is what kind of drives people to be chronic dieters that's where that comes from is that feeling of like, if I do this, I'm a bad person. So um, kudos to you for setting such a good example. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, So as we wrap things up here, you know, the last question that I like to ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? Oh, geez. Okay. So I can think of two things. One, going on a roller coaster for the first time after losing a hundred pounds, because one of the lowest moments of my life was when Matt and I went on a date and I could not fit in the roller coaster seat. It was like the most humiliating moment of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to an amusement park and um, getting back into a roller coaster and kind of, you know, taking that deep breath, like remembering that humiliating moment and saying, this is something that I want to do. And, you know, I'm going to try again was, um, was definitely uh, super uh, powerful in my life. And then I would say the other one is definitely when I competed in the strength competition in March. I don't know what what I was doing or what kind of drove me to think um, that I could, but I decided that I would. And um, I put my mind to it and I just am, am super honored and proud to have competed at my at my home gym um it was a women's only strength competition um it's like the first and only one that I know of and um you know to not only have kind of accomplished what I set out which was to do the competition but then on top of it to um to win my division was um definitely powerful um acclimation in my life that definitely took a lot of free to accomplish so woohoo that's awesome congratulations that is fearless (laughs) (laughs) okay so tell us about your you've got some book some books coming out right so tell us about that 
Uh, hopefully only one book is coming book. out because I don't want to have to write more than one. <laughs> I'm seeing down the road into the future. <laughs> no, no, we're, this is definitely, we're going to be taking a long break after this for, for family and training purposes. So, um, you know, our, we have two books already. The first one is called Eat Like a Dinosaur. It was a, um, children friendly, uh, gluten-free approach to a recipe and guidebook. And, um, Although all the recipes are paleo, we didn't call it a paleo book. We made it really allergen-friendly for a lot of children because uh, the first year or two that we went um, into this lifestyle, it was extremely difficult to kind of uh, adjust our children. And so um, that book has a lot of recipes and tips and um, recommendations for getting the family on board and framing it in a way that children can understand and in a positive way and encouraging them to make their own choices. A lot of the stuff that we've talked about today. Nice. Um, and then our second book, Beyond Bacon, came out last year, and it is a nose-to-tail pork book. And that book came about because um, as we got into the paleo lifestyle, we realized how important humane and sustainable farming was. And so um, what we found is that pork was the most affordable whole animal to buy, that um, you know, chicken and beef and lamb were all more expensive than pork. And so the most affordable option for family is trying to eat humanely raised animals was pork. It also is incredibly delicious, but most people don't know what to do beyond um, bacon and maybe sausage. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really, really into nutrient density, which we didn't talk a lot about today, but um, I'm a super geek for nutrients. And that book is a nose to tail book that literally uses every part of a pig if you were to buy a whole pig, which is the most affordable and sustainable way to do it. And it's like a gourmet cookbook. It's not gross or anything <laughs> yeah um, the pie crust, crust recipe is like the best thing ever thank you by the way <laughs> um we tested that recipe way too much <laughs> but we wanted it to be good because like if you're gonna call something a lard pie crust like it better be grandma's even though it doesn't have grains yeah, so um and then our upcoming book is called real life paleo and it's kind of everything that we have we've put everything that we know into this book it's huge um right now the page count is over what the printer can actually bind it has 175 recipes in it wow. as well as a complete like front guide on um what we call the three-phased approach to transitioning onto paleo and it is you know kind of focusing on what we think are the worst offenders first um going what would be defined as regular paleo in phase two and then focusing on nutrient density and improving your health in phase three, kind of incorporating the true superfoods and that sort of thing. And then all the recipes are coordinated to mark like what phase um, they are compatible with. And we've also done something unique in that book that I haven't seen in um, the community, which is show people how to put meals together. That's the most common question we get is, you know, okay, great. I understand that, you know, you can use collier rice and you can, you know, do whatever, but like, how do you actually feed your family? What do you put on your table? What does your dinner look like? And so we've created, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner menus for complete table settings for each of the phases. And in most of them, there's more than one idea um, so that people can really see what like a typical paleo dinner looks like, like how many vegetables we actually eat and that sort of thing. So it's, it's pretty intense. It's also really, really allergen friendly because I'm um, on the autoimmune protocol. I'm on like a modified autoimmune protocol. So a lot of the recipes are nut free egg-free, nightshade-free. And because we're a family and we're talking about how to make this real-life paleo, um, a lot of the things are either like under 30 minutes or one-pot meals as well. So we've really tried to make it um, approachable and easy for everyone while also still delicious and nourishing. So that's what we're currently working on. We've turned it in and um, we're feeling a bit crazy in the editing process right now. But and it gets yeah. it gets released when November, right? Is yeah, right? November fourth. And, and is it is it is it open for pre order right now? If people absolutely want to okay, and, yeah. If you order on Amazon, then um, you get the lowest price guarantee, but you don't have to pay till it 
ships, which a lot of people don't realize. Like, I don't know why people don't pre-order because that's what I do with books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So I will link to all of that in the show notes for this as well, uh, which will be episode six. And where can people find you? Um, so we're on almost all social media as Paleo Parents. Uh, Instagram, as you mentioned, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest are the main ones. We also have YouTube. Um, and I think the team manages some Google G plus what do they call that I don't even know what are the kids calling it these days I don't know Google plus <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Google just plus. something I have not been able to like <laughs> circle thing I just I can't figure it out and they kicked us out because we did it as paleo parents and they were like you have to be a person and we just we were like all right we're done so um <laughs> And but mostly you can link you can find links to all of the social media and our podcast, the Paleo View and the books and everything on paleoparents.com. So if you're confused and overwhelmed, like if you just go to paleoparents.com, there's links to everything. So yeah, and I'm super excited about your new book coming out. So. I'm super excited too, honestly. Like I think it's gonna be awesome. That's <laughs> good. I good. Yeah, I, I know. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I I mean, of course, everybody loves all their books, but um like we've just we've put everything into this and we get so many questions. Um and um I just I really feel like this will be an awesome tool for people that really want to do it but have difficulty with kind of the rip the band-aid off, jump in head first approach. So That's awesome. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I'll definitely be getting a copy of that and passing it along to my clients too. Cause I know I have a lot of clients that have those types of questions as well. <laughs> so thank you so much for all of your time tonight. Uh, um, thanks for having me. <laughs> I know it's kind of late. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule no and problem. for sharing your journey with everyone. So to all the women that need some self love inspiration, which we all do and want to eat delicious food and promote health to your children, you have got to follow Stacy and Pam parents. Stacy, it's been an honor to have you here and I hope that we can play with barbells and smash a scale together in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Rock on. If you liked what you heard, please head to iTunes and leave me a review and a rating for the podcast. You just go to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews and leave a review. You can do it on your phone. You can do it on your computer. And I would be so grateful. Seriously, it would mean the world to me. And once again, don't forget to head to summerinanin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rock in your bod with 10 missions that you can complete right now to ditch the diet mentality and love your body. Until next time, rock on.